0: I'm going to say it again. Good morning. Good morning. I love that. My name is Jimmy Rancho. If you're a guest with us today, welcome. Um, I'm the Next Gen Minister here at Plum Creek Christian Church. And it's, uh, from time to time, I get to come up here and uh, share with you what God has put on my heart. And I am just so excited about this uh, He Shall Reign series in our lives, in our church, and what we're going to be doing with our lives. Uh, we're saying that He is going to reign right? In our life, in our kingdom, in our community. And I get the the privilege today to talk about an area in my life that that honestly is stuff that I constantly have to work on. I don't know about you, but sometimes there's things you do very naturally and some other things that you really have to push yourself to do. And so that's one of those things that I'm going to be doing and sharing with you uh, what I have learned today. But so if you could, we're going to go and we're going to be looking up, uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter two. So if you could, go ahead and open up your Bibles. If that's on your uh, phone, you can open up that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you are old school and you got your Bible, awesome. Open up there. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the letters that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote for us. Uh, As you're doing that, I'd like to tell you a little story uh, about myself. I am, uh, you know, there's some things I like to do in life, and there's some other things I really don't like to do. And one of those things I really don't like to do is changing diapers, Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. the, The most men who ever said amen ever in their lives right there, right? Like, amen. Look, growing up, like my, my sister was my youngest sister was only two years younger than me. My mom like never had me change her diaper. And so like I never really changed diapers until I got had my own children, right? And so it was a very weird foreign concept and and, and it could become very difficult. And like now we understand like changing a wet diaper is completely different than changing a blowout, right? And you know what I'm talking about, a blowout, right? It's like everywhere. There was one time in particular, I can't remember which one of my children was, but there was a bad blowout, right? And I, I'm like holding like this, trying to get to the, the changing pad and I'm like putting extra pads on top to change it off and stuff is everywhere. And I'm going, oh, you know, like dry heaving because the smell is so rough. And, I, and I'm the kind of guy that I have to have like lots of wipes. Like I can't just do like the two, like you ladies that are like, Whoa, like you're like Picasso or something. It's amazing what you can do. I can't. And I'm like, I pull them out and like fling them all around and get in here because let's be honest, if you don't pull them out and you need to when you really want to, you grab them and like six of them come out, And right? You don't need that many. So I have my like pile of those and I'm cleaning up, trying not to throw them. And as we're getting done next to you, know, like the pee goes everywhere. It's like, on oh me and it's bad on the wall and everything else. And I just remember being so terrible. And there are times in our lives when God asks us to serve in things that we don't want to serve in. Am I right? God asks us to serve in situations that we go, that shouldn't be me. God, you sure you're calling the right person? The reality is, serving does not come natural, really, to anyone. Some of you have more of a servant's heart so it's easier for, for you to serve. Some of you may be like me and struggle doing the serving thing, right? Sometimes it's really hard, especially when it's, you've got to serve something and someone that you didn't choose to serve, right? You've been told to serve. It's not very good, not very humble. But the reality is we serve a God and we serve Jesus who came to serve. That's what he came to do. And if we really want to follow him and we want to be more like him and we want to show his love and his mercy and his compassion to the people that we know, we must learn to serve. So I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. He says this, Therefore, if if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And pay attention here. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is one of my favorite verses I think it's one of my favorite verses because every time I read it, it kicks me right here. It's one of those things where it's like, hey, wake up, call Jimmy. You're not number one. You can't be number one. If you're number one, that means God's not number one. And in a life where God's not number one, you're not going anywhere. You have no rule. You have your own kingdom and your kingdom is built up on a falsehood that you've created. But in this In this scripture, we find that Jesus came, stepped off a throne, and became a servant and be made in human likeness. Now, what real God does that? The gods that we think about and we know, the positions of power come to be, they don't humble themselves. They come down and rule but not Jesus. Now, Jesus knew he had to correct our way of thinking, correct our way of understanding how we learn and how we love others, and how we need to look and see serving as something that's a good thing and not a bad thing. See, first thing, whenever I'm working on a sermon, I always just pray to God like, Lord, bring the points to me. I'm gonna read through the scripture and you tell me what you want me to tell. And so some things jumped out, and the first thing is this. Understanding this, that society struggles with serving. Our society struggles with serving God. And we struggle not just with serving God, we struggle serving anyone, right? It is not in our nature to want to serve others. I believe there's several reasons for this. The first thing is this. When I look back at my life, we were taught that it's good to lead and it's bad to be a follower, Right? We we're taught that it's good to be a leader. Yours on to be a leader. Don't be a follower, be a leader. I can think back to when I was in high school and I did something stupid and I listened to my friend and I followed him and did something dumb. And my mom would say, Why'd you do that? I'm like, I don't know, because Bobby did it. And she said, If Bobby jumped over off, off, off a bridge, would you? Right? Anybody hear that from their mom? Please, please. I hope we got a lot of amens on that one, right? In that saying, in my head, I related it, that following was bad. The problem is this, following is not a bad thing. It's learning how to be a good follower. That's what we strive for. We strive to do that. See, following, if you follow the right person, the right leader, everything can change. And when I'm talking about in a, in a Christian viewpoint, if we're putting Jesus up front and we are following him, your life will look better. Will that Does that mean it will be easier? No, but it will be better. I know also in life that when I was in high school they also would bring in people to talk about how leading was the most important thing. They would bring in literally like, like People to come and speak to us. Remember those days you'd all get in the gym together and everyone's pinching and poking and prodding and everything else? You get some guy out there who's probably old and gray like me now and telling funny jokes that were cool 25 years ago and he just was always telling you about how you needed to be a better leader. You needed to be a better leader. You needed to do this over and over again and yet nobody taught us how to be a better follower, did they? Nobody taught us how to be a better follower. I don't want you to hear from me that, I don't want you to be like, well, Jimmy says you shouldn't lead at all because that's bad. That is not what I'm saying. It's not at all. But when I was studying and working on my, my master's degree program and, and studying leadership, which is what my degree is in, one thing jumped out to me is to be a good leader, you have to be a better follower. You have to follow so well that leadership just comes flowing out of you. And to do that, you need to know who to follow, how to follow, and when to follow. If you don't know who or how or when, you will just be not really even a follower, you'll just be a mindless person walking around. See, as we follow Jesus, we need to know we're following him. We need to know how to follow him. And how we do that is by digging into his word daily, communing together weekly with like-minded believers, pushing and spurring each other on, and knowing when to follow, right? And when to change on path and know when God is saying, hey, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing right now, but right now I need you somewhere else. And listening and following that direction. One of the other reasons why society struggles with with serving is this. The U.S. struggles with the term servant and slavery because of its ugly history with slavery. And not just the U.S., our world, right? We have had this ugly thing that we call slavery just permeate our history. And so when you hear the word serve or servant— That relates to you in your mind about slavery, and you're like, I don't want to be a slave, nor do I want to be a slave owner. Let's just not talk about it. Is that good? No. We should want to have a servant's heart. We should take pride in how we serve others through what God does, right? But taking pride in that and being prideful are two different things, which I'll be getting to in a second. It's interesting that this, you know, if you're going to call yourself a slave or a servant, you're essentially saying, I'm going to let somebody own me and that I have no worth. But yet, isn't it interesting that Paul said that Jesus came here to serve? And in my scripture that we're going to be getting here in a second, Jesus actually tells that he's here to serve others and that he wants to be a slave for us. His love drove him here. His love for us brought him down out of heaven to live for you and I, to die for you and I so he can give glory to his Father. And the last thing is this, our sinful nature is brought on by the pride and shame as a result of the fall of man. See, back in Genesis, we have Adam and Eve who were reformed, right? They're walking around the garden. God gave them one obedient, one thing to, to, to obey. Don't eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just do that, and I know that you love me, right? It's easy. Obedience means love, right? When you obey someone, you love them. Instead, they listened to a lie, ate the fruit, and that temptation there that Eve had and Adam was right there with her standing kind of dumbfounded was hey if I get this fruit I can be like God knowledge of good and evil, I could be like God and that pride built up like I want to be like God I want to be like that well so she took it and she ate it and when she ate that and gave it to Adam sin flooded into our world and so did shame and all this other negativity and nastiness. Because of that, in our lives, pride keeps us from being able to serve well. So my second point is this. Pride is the enemy of serving. Your pride is the enemy of why you don't serve more. Same thing for me. If you want to kill a servant's heart, let pride breed into it. Because unfortunately in our, in our lives, in our hearts, we're addicted to praise. We love hearing it when people tell us things. How many times have you gotten like a good text from someone like, hey, just wanna tell you, you did really good today. How many times have you gone back and like reread that text over and over again, right? Then maybe shown it to someone else, like, hey, just see what this <laughs> is, right? Look at this, look at this, Let's see. Pride can start off something small and innocent but can grow and grow over and over again and can kind of destroy your heart to be a servant. Because what happens is when your pride builds up, you start building your own kingdom and not Jesus' kingdom. You start focusing on your own desires and your desire to be complimented instead of focusing on what Jesus wants to be accomplished which is to show his love to people who need it. At, my pre- uh, at a previous church that I was served at, um, I was asked to be in a co-leadership role at one point, um, and I was so used to being in charge of everything, because when, sometimes when you're a, a student minister or a family minister, you're the head person, and when you're used to always being in charge and just telling people what to do and them doing it, like, like then you're, I'm asked to be in a role where there's two of us in charge and I gotta bounce ideas. That's kind of weird, right? I'm not used to that. And I remember I was struggling this when, when we were going through this and I was making a decision and uh, I was with my discipleship group of, of men and I was talking to them over and over and over again and the one guy who, who was a uh, retired military, worked in the Pentagon, um, you know, knows his stuff solid but also will tell you exactly what he thinks you need to hear which is good, you need those people in your life that just gotta have some grace and truth, not just all truth. And he said this, he goes, Jimmy, if you're going to do this, you are gonna have to take a double barrel shotgun to your pride every single day. If you're gonna step into a co-leadership role, you're gonna have to take a double barrel shotgun to your pride every single day. And out of my mouth, I replied this, shouldn't I be doing that every day? Now I can tell you this, that was not Jimmy Ranshaw saying that, that was the Holy Spirit using my words to tell every man in that group what we should be doing. Because as it came out, I was like, that's too smart for you, Jimmy. Like, <laughs> you ain't that smart, man, right? But we should, we should try to kill our pride every single day, why? Because we are not building our own kingdom. We're building his kingdom. And you cannot build God's kingdom if your heart is full of pride. Now, before you start beating yourself up, understand this. We're not the only ones that dealt with this. The first century church dealt with this. The disciples dealt with this. Two disciples in particular. They were so worried about when when Jesus' kingdom would be established that they wanted to be in the most best positions to help him lead, right? Right? So they asked their mommy to come ask Jesus where they should be. So we pick up here in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking for a favor. Get that? Like two grown men brought their mom to ask Jesus for a favor. Like, that's just where we're at. Just where we're at. What is it you want, he asked. And I kind of feel like Jesus was like, Really, I'm dealing with this right now. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at the left of your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink from the cup that I'm gonna drink? We can, they answered, right? So whatever's gonna give me the job. Anybody here lied in uh, in an interview? I can do that. I know all that stuff. Just get me hired, right? That's what I kind of feel like what's going on here, right? Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from the cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is submitting to his Father. He is serving his Father right? He could have easily said, yeah, my choice, my kingdom, I'm going to put them here and here. Nope, didn't do that, did he? When the 10 heard about this this is the other disciples, they were indignant with the two brothers. That's a very nice saying. You all know what they were, they were not happy at all. Jesus then called them all together. This is like a group huddle, right? And he said this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is laying out right in front of all of them, like, look, you want to be great? You gotta deny who you are, you gotta put down your pride and you gotta start living for me and my kingdom, not your own. As I was thinking about pride, I started understanding, started thinking back on some things in my life of what, what happens when you have pride in your life and the first thing is this, is that pride creates insecurity. Think about that, when you're prideful in your life, you don't know it but you actually become very insecure. Why? Because you're building your own kingdom. And when people come to criticize you about your kingdom, it hurts more because it's all about you, right? You're being criticized, and if you say, well, I, you know, you're doing, you're doing a good job, but you could do this better, you're going, no, I, no, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Why? Because I said so. Pride creates insecurity. It was interesting, uh, just a uh, couple weeks ago, I was talking, I ran into um, a classmate of mine, his older brother, and uh, we were talking and we were uh, going around and, we, and I was asking about how his, his you know, brother was doing, who was my classmate. He's like, he's doing great. And I was like, yeah, you know, and we were talking about you know things that we knew and just reminiscing a little bit. And I said, you know, your brother just like, it just floored me because he was always like so confident in himself. He had a great amount of self-confidence and his response to me is this, because Jimmy, that's a very nice way of saying that he was arrogant and full of himself. And I will say this, he didn't even use those nice words. There were some other words in there. Um, because my classmate was. He just exuded this 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 confidence and this arrogance. And and because of that, he was mean to other people. Never mean to me, because he knew better. But uh he just exuded that. And, and before we really could talk anymore, he said this. He said, Jimmy, that's, it's really interesting that you say that, though, because all of that was an act. Because he did that because he was, had so many insecurities about himself that he was trying to cover up. He put on a front because he was insecure. He built up pride because of insecurity. Do not let that happen. Do not let that happen in your life because when that pride finally breaks down, the crash of your life will be very hard. Second thing is this. Prideful people, because they're insecure, are also easily offended, right? Because when somebody criticizes what you do, you take it personally because it's what you've wrapped your mindset around. So when you follow Jesus, you listen to his voice above anybody else's. And you understand what he says about you is true and not what the world says about you. That you're a treasured, loved, precious child of God. and That yes, you're gonna mess up, but you have forgiveness and God can use you the way he wants to use you. You have to be willing. But when you're living just for yourself, and you're building that own kingdom. Boy, those, those little tiny critiques come in and they really hit you hard. And you become offended. And when you become offended, you go into, let's be, mean mode, right? Start lashing out. How dare you criticize me? Look at you and your life. It's not very good either, right? I know when I start dealing with that, I realize that I've built up too much of Jimmy's pride and not enough pride in my Lord and Savior. See, Jesus wants us to build up our lives on him and his message and his work, not our own. That brings me to my third point is this. To be more like Jesus, you must serve everyone. To be more like Jesus, you must serve everyone. As a follower of Christ, that's what we want to do every day, right? That's our mission is to become more and more like Jesus, right? To be like him every single day. And what did he do? He gave his life as a ransom for many. Verse 7 says this. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That phrase, made himself nothing, has been other other translations say He he emptied himself. That Greek word there is kino. And it means... To empty but another reason is to like to create void right now obviously God when Jesus came here he wasn't completely voided right like we know he came as a, he was God and man together but he came as a child he came vulnerable right And it's really this is that this is wordplay to tell us of how in our lives we have to empty ourselves to be filled with himself so that way we can affect everybody the way that God wants them to be affected through his love. And it says this, that he, went, he became a servant, right? That word there is doulos. That Greek word there is doulos. Let's say that together. Doulos. Come on one more time. Doulos, right? All right. I like it. It's fun. It's a fun word to say. But That word literally means servant or slave. Servant or Slave. That is what we are to be for Jesus, a servant and slave, and we are to be like Him, a servant and slave to others. That is what Jesus came to do, right? He ain't come to rule with a mighty hand and to cast and hurt and punish people. No, He came to show us how to love correctly, and to give ourselves up, to save others, to glorify His Father. So I got in your, in your message notes there, I've got a little thing that has week, month, and year. And so I want you to do this maybe tonight or tomorrow or even right now. I want you to write this down. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve this week? I want you to write a person's name down. Maybe it's multiple people's down. I want you to write that down. Then think about this month. Who can you serve this month? Right? Maybe that's a coworker. Maybe it's someone on a committee that you're with. Maybe it's a neighbor. Uh, maybe it's a... Uh, A relative you haven't spoken to for a while, right? And this year, who could you serve this year? And when I'm talking about this year, I want you guys thinking bigger, bigger this year. Beyond just our community here, I want you guys really to think about worldwide. How can you serve worldwide? We've got two missions uh, trips coming up this next year in 2024 to Dominican uh, Republic and Myanmar. And those sign-ups are coming up here in January, right? Am I right, Tom? Today, sometimes, you got to get them done now. You, I want you guys to serve. If you haven't been on a missions trip yet, I'm telling you, God is going to speak and change your life. You're going to see people through the eyes of Jesus, and you're going to see how there's real joy in the world when you're not surrounded by so much stuff. There are places we can serve all around us, and we have to do that we got other opportunities for us to serve. Like even today, right after the service, all the Tide bottles that you saw earlier, the first group here is here. They took them into the Life Center. Today, we'd love for you, right after service today, head over to our Life Center, which is our next building. We're going to pack those up. Those are going to the FRC coordinators, to several of our schools in this area, and those are going to packages to kids and families that are going to need that for this, this winter break. We are so happy to be able to come alongside and to help them out. You can also serve in many other different ways. We also have Hawksworth coming to donate blood here where you can donate blood in the next couple weeks. Now, they don't want my blood because every time I donate blood, I pass out and go into seizures. And they have told me, Jimmy, we don't want your blood. But they want your blood, so you can sign up for that too. There's plenty of opportunities that we present for you here to serve. But honestly, we want you to look outside just our church and start serving the people around you. See, if you are not serving others, you are putting limits on what God is doing in your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the person that's putting limits on what God can do through my life. But when you limit your serving, that's what you're doing. Billy Graham said this, and I love it. I love the way he said it. He goes, The most eloquent prayer is the prayer through the hands that heal and bless. The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. And the greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. The consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. Do you know lost and the helpless around you? How can you seek out? How can you serve? How can you open that door by serving them? You gotta do it by understanding that you have to love them as much as Jesus loves them. Going back to my changing the diaper illustration, I still hate changing the diaper, and I'll be honest, my wife changes it probably 99 times to my one. But when I do it, I still do it, why? Because I love my children. And I'm going to get dirty and messy to help clean them up. And when Jesus came down, he got our dirt and our mess on him. And he took it and he died and rose again to clean us up. Why? To glorify his father. To show us how to love God like no one else and no other way has ever been taught in this world before. I'd like to wrap up with us actually reading the last part of Philippians 2, 6 through 11 together. This was actually turned into a, it was actually called a, a hymn of a first century church that they would, they would sing and, and recite together. It says this, let's go together. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you. See, being a servant to others is not about pride or position. It's about building Jesus' kingdom. We've got to do that. We've got to show other people who Jesus is. And we have to do that to glorify and show how great and loving God is. So my question for you is this. Are you ready to serve? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being so good and gracious we thank you for being so kind and compassionate for leading us and teaching us how to love correctly giving us the strength that we need to get past our own insecurities being able to go and to focus on your kingdom and not our own and Lord I just ask that you lift up a heart And set a heart of servitude in each and every one of us. So that way we can go and seek and save and find the lost and show them your love and your hope. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.